This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We are starting a new series today. It's a perfect Sunday for you if it's your first time. Um, We're starting a series today called Welcome to the Family. Welcome to the Family. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to let you in on this, why it's written like that with like the, the T sharing the O and the the, okay? We, we, we're trying to come up with a clever marketing, <laughs> marketing scheme for this to make it catchy. And so when we abbreviated this, we wanted to be able to abbreviate it WTF. So if you look, there's only one T. It's two words, so it's WT squared F. But we had a, we had a debate about this. <laughs> In a staff meeting, and so it, now we didn't abbreviate it, but we, so there's a compromise. What you see there is compromise. It's no abbreviation, but there's still only one T, so let your mind run with that. So we're starting a series today called Welcome to the Family, and in Welcome to the Family, we are addressing our four core values as a church. If you look back there on like that, that banner right there by the door, we have our four core values, and so we're going to get into those because we really want uh, to... It's important when you have vision and when God's doing something in the faith community to continue to emphasize and restate um, that vision and what that vision is. And so um, I have the opportunity to share with you guys the first of the core values, which now is behind uh, James's head. It's respond. Everybody say hi, James. Hi, James. Hey, James, can you scoot one foot to the other? Yeah. Respond. There you go. So we're talking about respond this morning. Okay. So, um, I want to start off by, you guys know I love to tell stories, so I was thinking about this today, and um, it took me back to a time, since I'm, I'm, you know, well in my years now, it took me back to a time like years ago when, if you didn't know this, I went to culinary school, um, and, and then after culinary school, I started working in a pretty high-end kitchen in, in Orlando, it was called the Country Club of Orlando, very creative, and um, I worked there, and it, it, like, it won, like, several different awards. Like, the chefs there were, like, really about it, about it. I was, like, the scrappy one. And, um, <laughs> and when I worked there, I, like, I loved it. Like, I was watching, like, Food Network every night. I was watching Cooking Channel every night. Some of y'all didn't know there was two channels where you could watch them cook and eat food on, but that's how into it I am. And so... Um, I was like all about the food culture, the kitchen culture. And so there's a lot of things that you take on if you work in a kitchen or have worked in a kitchen. There's a lot of that culture that you can take on when you work there. And, and a lot of it is good and fun and a lot of it is, eh. And um, one of the things, though, that just didn't click with me right away was the dynamic between the chefs, like the head chefs, and the cooks that were, like, under them. So if you guys know, like, there's kind of like a ranking system in a kitchen uh, of, like, um, superiority. So you have a chef, then you have, like, a sous chef, and you can have more than one sous chef if your kitchen's big enough. So you have a chef. Just think ratatouille if anybody's seen that. So you have the chef, then you have the sous chef, and then you can have junior sous chefs, and then you have your station cooks. And so I was a station cook in this kitchen, and when I started there, uh, if you don't know this, when a chef asks you to do something, there's like one response for that. Yes, chef. Everybody say, say, yes, chef. 
right? So the chef comes up to you and is like, hey, I want you to run to the cooler and grab me five lemons and two of these and blah, 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 blah. And you, and he looks at you and goes, got it? You say, yes, chef, right? If you're on, if you're cooking on the, like the food line and it's like, you know, all the cart, you're cooking to order and the chef calls out something to you and they say, hey, I need, you know, I need two steaks on the fly, blah, 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 this and that. You're supposed to respond with, yes, chef, but there's another one too if you're, you know, if you're real good. It's heard chef. I heard you. Heard chef, right? So those are like the two responses they want to hear. That's it. They don't want to hear about your day. They don't want to hear why you don't agree. They want to hear yes, chef, heard chef, right? So when I first started there, I didn't really jive with that. If you guys know my personality, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I don't, I question things, right? And so I'm there, and the chef is like, hey, I need you. And I felt like he was on my back. Hey, I need you to go do this, da, da, da. And I'd be like, I'd literally be like this. I'd be like. Come back with it. Here you go. I was like, try to be fast, but he'd be like, Rich, I need you to go, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, come back with it. Boom, here you go. Rich, I need you to, and you need to hurry, okay? Do you, you got it? Like, go get it, come back. We're like really behind, okay? You got it? And that, like, legit, that's all. So one day, like, I didn't, I didn't know how mad this was, like, making him, but the chef was getting, like, angry and, 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 the chef's a great guy. I still, I still know him to this day. He's a Christian guy. His name's Daniel. And Chef Daniel pulled me into the office one day, and he sat me down. And he goes, I need to ask you a question. And I was like, what? And he was like, is there a problem? And I was like, huh? Like, is there a problem? Like, you obviously have, like, you know, there's like an attitude problem where, like, I'm asking you to do stuff, and you're just, you're not answering me. And I'm like... I'm answering you by doing what you asked me to do, duh. Like, you asked me to get it, I got it. That's your answer, you know. Like, I obviously heard you. And he's like, yeah, yeah, but it, it makes it seem like there's, like, this friction there because you're not responding to me just the way that we do things. If you ask anybody else in the kitchen, I'll ask them to do something, and they'll say, yes, chef, heard chef, something to let me know. You don't, <laughs> you don't say anything. You just look at me, like, weird and walk away. So from now on, I need you to at least answer me back, right? So then from then on, when I found out that was the right response to what the chef wanted me to do, after that, I had to, like, remind myself, hey, this is the right way to do things. And so next time he'd ask me to do, run to the cooler and grab this real quick. I'd be like, yes, chef. And, then, you know, like, <laughs> and sometimes I'd play with him. He'd be like, hey, go do this, whatever. And I'd be like, hmm? Yes, chef. Like, <laughs> you know, and they, that's the right response in that circumstance, right? And so it got me thinking about that and how sometimes your responses communicate a lot more than you intend them to and not even just uh, uh, to uh, yourself or if you read into them, you can kind of dig a little bit deeper and ask yourself why you're responding a certain way or why you're not responding a certain way. But it also to other people shows them kind of what's going on in your mind, in your heart, in your train of thought, right? That's why my chef was so like troubled by it because he assumed that I knew the right response and when I wasn't responding the right way, he thought we had a problem, right? He thought there was a disconnect at the very least. So there's a right response. For us, not everybody in here has worked in a kitchen, works in the kitchen, knows that culture. But you guys will understand the concept of there being a right response or a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, yes? Yeah, we just know it's common courtesy. If somebody says hi to you, you say hi back. You, you, don't, you don't say hi to somebody and then 
You're like, hey, what up, Rich? Now we got a problem, right? There's a right response. We know this just off of interaction, right? But did you guys know that there's actually a right response to God? Right response to God, period. Not just at church, not just on church days, not just in the car listening to worship or church music, not just when it pertains to those things, but there's actually a right response to God in the big scheme of things. There's a right way to respond and interact with God on a big picture level. And so <clears throat> the right response to God is what we would call worship. And a lot of us, what we would call worship would be what we just did. Standing here, hands up, maybe not hands up, maybe arms folded because you, you know, the person next to you got their hands up and they're singing really loud and it's making you feel weird. So you're just like, and then Lauren starts another song and you're like, oh God, another song. <sighs> At tops, it's got to be four minutes long. You know, I can stand for this, then I'll sit down. Some of you guys think of worship that way. Some of you guys think of worship as being uh, the, the Christian radio station in your car, and you, you play that when your kids are in the car because there's nothing weird, and then you turn it to 105, one the bounce when they get out the car, right? It's getting hot in here. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> From where I'm at, I can see some of y'all moving to that, and then you caught your... Quit playing, quit playing, right? But that's not the way that God defines what worship is, and that's not the way that we should define what worship is. Check this out. I got a few verses. Throw Matthew first. Matthew 22, 37 says this. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Right now, I'm going to connect the dots for you for a second, but I want you to see, leave that up there for a second. I want you to see what Jesus is saying. He's, he's responding to somebody in this, and he's telling them what God wants from their lifestyle, right? And he says, so you must love God with pretty much all of you, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's, that's the totality of you as a person, your heart, your soul, your mind. Love God with every part of you. And some of us take that, and we're like, oh, man, how do I, whew, how do, I do that? Like, there's not enough hours in a day to, like, do my job, raise my kids, feed my family, walk the dog, and love God with every single minute of the day in my whole life, right? Like, if we interpret it like that, it can be a little bit overwhelming. But put up my, my next verse. I think this is more to the heart of it, too. Paul writes this in Romans 12, 1. This is the NLT. It says, so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. That's pretty strong. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living, I'm going to switch here because I feel weird, living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly, or this is truly the way to worship him. And I like that, but, but then the language is kind of like you could maybe pick and choose from that or, or maybe kind of like, you know, I don't know, catch a different vibe from that. Like give your bodies to God because all he's done for you, a, a sacrifice. And, and so we can kind of maybe not get the gist of it there. But if you look, 
I know some of y'all don't prefer the message, but I, I think it brings some clarity here. The message uh, says this in Romans 12. One, go ahead and put that up. The message says this. So here's what I want you to do. Again, from Paul, the Paul, OG Paul, road to Damascus, scales falling off my eyes. Now I'm a bad man for God, Paul, right? Going into synagogues where he used to kick down doors and drag out Christians to torture them. Now he's going in to kick in the doors of Jewish synagogues to tell them about Jesus. That Paul wrote this, and he says, here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. The norms, the regular ebbs and flows that you do and I do every single day. I want you to take that and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become, check this out, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Hold up. I want to run that one back. That's like, you know, DJ, run that back. That was a terrible turntable. <laughs> don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit in without even thinking, without even knowing. You can just fit right into everyday life, to the people around you, to the, to the stop and go of everything. You can very easily, and I can very easily relegate God to a Sunday morning, or if you go, you know, if you've been to like Bible studies and all that, Wednesday night, we have a Thursday night one for, for the young adult guys. You can relegate God to those little compartments of your life, and then every other day of your life fit right into culture, fit right into the world, fit right into your coworkers, fit right into your classmates, whatever it is. And you can turn off God until you walk back into the church or go back to the Bible study or open your Bible again or turn on the radio station again because your kids are in the back seat again. We can do this, and if we're not careful, it's not that we can do this, we will do this because this is our nature. Our nature is to lean away. So if we're not careful, we will do this stuff. He says that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Some of y'all are like, I don't, want, I don't want to be changed, though. Well, okay. Readily recognize what he wants from you. And quickly respond to it. So wait a minute. Readily respond what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. What does God want from me? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So love God with all of you. Uh, uh, this translation says, I love this because literally take your ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, anything you do every single day, take that and give it to God as an offering. If you look at the original, trans or not the original, we're not going to get into that. But the NLT translation says this is your true worship to him. This is how you can truly worship him. So, so the right response to God, when we see God working and doing things here or at home or wherever you are, when you see God doing things, your response to that is not to go, oh, wow, cool. Your response to that isn't to go, well, thank God, and then keep it. Your response to, it's not just an abbreviation. It's not just the tack on to these, these situations that happen like they're, like they're kind of like highlights, but not the norm. 
What Jesus is saying and what Paul is saying is that our norm, our norm for us should be a response to God through worship. Not just through singing, but by literally remembering God and striving to focus on Jesus even in the lulls of life. Even in the the regular, normal, everyday crap you and I do. That's when it's most crucial to focus on God. That's when... It starts to come alive. That's when your faith is activated and really lived out. Anybody, anybody can walk into a church on a Sunday morning. There's, <laughs> we, we taught at a conference yesterday, and Sam was talking about some of our core values in it. And <laughs> he was telling everybody, he was like, listen, you know, we, we tell people that, you know, Central is a church for you, cool. But if not, you know, there, there's churches that are, are good for you. That's why there's five bajillion churches in the entire world. And everybody went, <gasps> And they weren't shocked that he said there's other churches. They were shocked because they really thought that was like a real number. (laughs) There's 5 billion churches in the world. Oh, my gosh, for real? No, listen, anybody can walk into any church anywhere at any time, sit in a row, fill a pew up, and check that box off. I did my thing. I was there for worship. I was there for that. That's not the hard part. That's not the hard part. Our response to God that becomes the hard part is what what Paul calls ordinary life, what Paul calls your everyday in and out life. When you go home after you had a bad day at work, where's your heart at? When you're driving home after a bad day at work and you're angry at your boss, you're angry at a coworker, somebody said something inflammatory towards you, are you in the car bumping 105-1 the bounce when DMX is on, y'all gonna make me lose mama up in here, and you're, you know, Is that you or are you driving down the road going, Jesus, help me. Because I really want to sing some DMX right now while out. But God, I I need your help in this. You know that my heart, where my heart is, I want to do what's right. I don't want to snap. I don't want to get angry. I don't want to lose my temper. But I need, where's your heart at in the everyday circumstances? Where's your heart at in those things? Because Paul says and Jesus says that this is our genuine response to God. So when my my chef was coming to me and he was looking at me and he was going, hey, go get this. And and I was like, I didn't walk like that. I just, (laughs) that was the wrong response. I I was doing essentially what he wanted me to do, but he wanted the response to be, right before the, he wanted to know that my mind was in the right spot before I just fulfilled a duty, right? He wanted to know that my response was coming from somewhere of understanding, somewhere of connection, right? That's why it was the right response to understand that when he comes to me, I have to respond the right way in order for that situation or for that relationship to be in right order, right? In order for that to, to stay the way that it needs to, we have to have that mutual understanding to where if he asked me something, my response is going to be proportionate. My response is going to be on point. And it's the same way with God, right? 
Our response has to be right to God because our response says a lot to God. A lot of us come in here, and, and here's, the, here's the true gem of the whole thing is that if you really experience God, then your response is these things, right? So we have to ask ourselves at some point that if we keep doing the norms of Christian life, we listen to the CDs, we go to the concerts, we go to church, we do those things, but then in our everyday life in between, we're not experiencing these things or we're not drawn to go deeper with God, we have to ask ourselves, really, to what end or what measure we've encountered God in a real and true way. That's the heart of it because once you, once you really experience something, you have no choice but to respond accordingly. Once I really understood the culture of the kitchen and what I was getting into and how my chef could, could really go off on me if I didn't get the... After I understood the whole gravity of it and that I was paying more respect back to him and, and, and by not responding to him, I was kind of disrespecting him in front of everybody else. That Once I understood that, I knew that I had to respond accordingly. Once we understand this Jesus thing, you have to understand that your response is, is totally, totally gauged by how much you experienced him first. One of my favorite Christian rappers says this. I rap DMX, and I got to rap, you know, Christian stuff. He says this. His name's KB, if you want to check him out. The song's called Zone Out. He says this. He said, I seen the Lord, so the same I'll never be. Some say they've seen the Lord, but live all casually. Now, I don't know what you saw, but the Lord isn't what you've seen. Because once you've really seen the Lord, you'll be obsessed with what you see. I don't know. You might say you saw Jesus, but if, you're, if your response to God isn't, isn't going forward and going, you know what, I might struggle with this. I might have off days. I might lose my Bible streak. But more times than not, like the highlight for me, not the norm, the highlight for me is having an off day with God. But my norm is having on days with God. My norm is having a regular right relationship with God where we're interacting, where my response to him is worship. My response to him is prayer. My response to him is laying this down. That's my norm. My highlights, my off days are those days where I don't do that. Because if it's flipped, I like the way he says it because people, we do this. We'll go in, yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I do this. Yeah I, do, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I do. And then nobody can tell with our daily life because we're the first ones to walk around like Chicken Little. We're the first ones to be like, oh, man, my life is bad. Oh, man. Bills, 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 bills. Can you pay my telephone bill? Can you pay? <laughs> We're the first ones to, to cry wolf. We're the first ones to, to be, oh, man, my life is over. I'm checking little. This guy is falling. I don't know what to do. Right? And people are like, dog, why don't you talk to Jesus about it? That would be the right response. That's because if you don't, if you haven't fully encountered and experienced God enough for him to change you, you're not going to want to approach him with a life laid down. You're not going to want to respond to him by going, God, I know there's a wrong way to do this. And the wrong way is by excluding you. And the wrong way is by keeping you in your little Sunday morning box. The right way, the right way is by making you the box that I fit into. Is by making you and your call and your way of doing things my norm. That's the response. But that only happens once you've truly experienced Jesus for who he is. Because once you've really seen the Lord, things change. I mean, 
KB said it. Once you've seen the Lord, you'd be obsessed with it. Paul says it right here. Because once you really focus on God, you'll be changed, and he'll change you from the inside out. It'll be uncontrollable for you. People will be looking at you like, dang, you brand new. What happened? I don't know. I got peace now. I got joy now. I got resolve now. I got patience now. I got those things, but it's an interaction. See, when God puts those in you, then we respond again with more worship. We respond again by laying down those circumstances that would have caused us to feel pain or anger or anxiety before. We bring those back to him in response and lay those down. And that is what Jesus calls. That is what Paul calls. That is what the writers of Scripture call true worship. True worship. Your true worship is by embracing what, what Paul says, by embracing what God has done for you first. So the question for you is this, and this is something you got to ask yourself. Have you truly experienced Jesus? Have you truly encountered God? Have you had a moment or moments where you've seen God's goodness, where God has done something for you, where God has answered a prayer? Or maybe you feel like he didn't answer, prayer, answer a prayer and it hurt you, but then he brought peace. Then he brought healing. Then he brought joy. Have you experienced God? And if so, how are you responding? Because the two go hand in hand. And this has implications for us as a church too. As a church, this should change us, right? As a church, our response to God shouldn't just be sitting shoulder to shoulder, facing forward on Sunday morning, dapping each other up. That's, that's a slang term for saying what up, right? Giving a handshake. Saying what up to each other as we pass each other or avoiding certain people in the lobby or only talking to one or two people or trying to slip in and slip out. Your response to God and your interactions with people is, is worship as well. How much you value those relationships that God's put around you is worship as well. And so in a community, in a faith community, once you've experienced Jesus, you know that when God reaches into you, you have to reach out to the people around you, right? Because they become your family. That's why we call this welcome to the family. Now, if you look, I love this because normally this section on a Sunday morning is like three rows deep because one person started coming. Then they brought another person. Then they brought other people. Then when they got here, they made friends with other people. And now they got like 22 people that fill up this section on a Sunday morning because now they were sitting all scattered walking by every, everybody every Sunday morning. But then when they grew together, they became knit together. Now they want to do church together. Now my phone's blowing up because they put me in that group chat. And on days that we're not even at church, they're like, hey, y'all want to go to the movies? Hey, y'all want to go get some ice cream? I ain't never had a grown man ask me to go get ice cream. <laughs> That's proof that God's working in that situation. If that ain't the Holy Spirit, I don't know what is. But you know what that is? You know what that, that's a response. When they see God working and doing something, they're not running from it. They're responding to it. They're going, God, put you brothers here in front of me, not so we can sit next to each other and dap each other up on Sunday morning and act like, hey, you go to Central too. Cool. I wear that t-shirt sometimes too, but not at work because then they'll know that I go to church and I don't do that when I'm not at church. So they say, yo, we do this together. And now that I understood and encountered Jesus, I don't just want Jesus on Sundays. I understand that Jesus is with me every day. And if Jesus is with me every day, I'm going to need some encouragement. I'm going to need somebody to walk with me. So this is what we're going to do. Now we're going to pair up and make a little A-team. And we're going to encourage each other to grow in this faith and our responses to Jesus. 
because that's what this whole thing's about. But it starts there. You can't go on to the other things that God wants from you until you've really encountered him. And once you've really encountered him, he has big plans for you. He has big things for you. You might be at a place in life where you feel like you've, you've kind of reached the top. You may have, you may have done everything you're going to do, and then you're coming back down now, taking it easy. But Jesus doesn't have the take it easy button. You hear me? Jesus doesn't have a take it easy button. Jesus doesn't have a, a, a brake pedal. Jesus doesn't slow his plans down for you just because you slow them down for yourself. Jesus has things he wants from you. But in order to engage in that fully, you have to experience him and respond to him in the right way to do that. And grasping that and embracing that is by going, God, I feel you. God, I've experienced you. And God, my every day things that I think don't even matter, things that nobody sees, you see. And instead of glazing over those and moving past those, I'm going to slow down because I don't just want to experience you on the weekend. I don't just want to experience you when a pastor is talking to me. I want to experience you daily. I want to encounter you daily. And once you move there, it'll happen naturally. It'll change you from the inside out. Now your lifestyle is a response to God and worship. So the question for us today is, have you experienced God? Maybe you feel like you have, but it's been a while. You need a, my, my grandma, my Puerto Rican grandma used to, she'd call it like when she, when she slapped you, because she, she, slap, she wouldn't spank you. She'd be like, Psh. she'd call it a fresh one. She'd call it a fresh one. She'd be like, we'd be acting up, and she'd be like, you want a fresh one? You don't ask a chubby kid if he wants a fresh one. I'm thinking donuts or something. You want a fresh one? Right here, Grandma. So I don't, I don't say it in that way, but your experience with God, maybe you need a fresh one. Maybe you need a, you need a wake up. Maybe you need a revitalization. Maybe you need a jump start. Maybe that's what you need today. I would encourage you and in this last song of worship that you would go after God in that, God, I want to respond to you the right way. I want to, I want to lay this down for you. I want to take my everyday happenings and give you a chance to work in those. I want to respond, but, but God, I feel like I need to encounter you again. Maybe go there with God. Maybe you are there, but somebody you, you know needs something from you or God's calling you to help. I don't know what it is, but right now I encourage you to go there. Because I do know that, that God has a plan and a promise for your life. But to get there, the first step is to encounter him and then respond to him. So let's do that this morning. Jesus, I love you, God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.